0: Dash two thousand and twenty four. We hope to see you January nineteenth and or January twentieth, and can't wait to connect with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. If you're watching on YouTube, you see me in my kitchen with Jack's progress monitoring report in front of me. Why is that significant, friends? It's significant because this is where I sit every single Sunday when I look at the data that I keep at home. And it's also typically where I sit when I'm going through backpacks. Now, you might be the kind of mom or dad or caregiver or teacher that looks at this kind of stuff on a very regular and recurring basis. I am not because I got a lot going on and I don't have time for that. And the way that Jack and I work with Jack's team at school, that is not unnecessary either. But that does not mean that I don't prioritize it. So we're going to talk about data for at least 2 weeks. I've got 2 weeks planned and I think that we might even go out another 4 week, into 4 weeks, and we're going to be talking about progress monitoring here on the podcast. And so, what I want to start off by saying is that this is something that you can do in your kitchen in 10 minutes time that doesn't have to be intimidating, it doesn't have to be stressful, it doesn't have to be a whole thing, okay? So I am here very deliberately and I am here because it's a natural organic, like hub to my house and progress monitoring data should be a hub to your child's special education. So, We're going to talk about progress monitoring and we're going to get a little geeky, especially next week. And we're going to get a little like feely, maybe especially this week, but the way that we're going to start off this week is we're going to talk about literally about Jack's progress monitoring. And we're going to talk about like kind of the outside stuff that can affect progress monitoring. Okay. So we're going to talk about like progress monitoring and how it can be affected by other things so I got Jack's data from the first month of school and I had already planned to talk to you about progress monitoring data because like now is the time that we get our first reports you know people are mostly all getting close to the end of the first quarter and so a lot of people are getting their reports and so um I was like, this is a good time to start talking about it. So we're gonna get more into the nitty gritty, as I said. I've got it planned for two weeks, but today I had an epiphany and I think we might go to four. Anyway, Jack has the following goal. Hang on, I'm getting there. Okay, the goal is by the end of the IEP cycle, when given a checklist with picture supports to complete four routines within the school day, and that is unpacking his backpack and using his locker, lunchroom behavior, school job, packing up his locker at the end of the day. Okay, that's the end of the parenthetical. So when he gets picture supports for these four routines, he will independently initiate, complete, and check off each item with at least 70% accuracy, according to a teacher's rubric, for three out of four consecutive weekly trials. Okay. So does that meet all the things in the goal? Check, 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 check. Yes, it does. This is a well-written goal. The only thing that I might ask, and I did, and we had a long discussion about it, is w- could we keep data on the different things? Because like, maybe we should look at how he does in the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, in the cafeteria, like in gen ed setting, and special ed setting, and that sort of thing, they do keep that data. What I get is an assimilation of it. And the reason why we're keeping the assimilation is because that's exactly what we want to work on. Jack does really well at things in the middle of the day in a small environment, but we want to work on generalizing that skill. So we're taking the data across different settings because we want the data to come up across all settings. Up until now, what has happened is that the you know he doesn't do super well in the morning. He takes Ritalin. It's like 8.30 to 10.30. There's this kind of like at some point in that time period, a switch flips and it's like, boom, I'm regulated. My medicine is working. And then he kind of gets his Ritalin booster. And then so he's really good until about two thirty, and then he's tired and then it doesn't go well. And so the reason that we're keeping data in this particular way is because we want this to go across all different settings and all different environments with all these different factors. So his data is hilarious. And it's like Jack in a chart. So I want to tell you why it is Jack in a chart. Okay, so in week one, Jack scored at 50%. Week two, 50%. Week three, 100. Because guess what? He can do this, he can do this just fine, a-okay. I can do it. That's the way Jack works. Then week four, 75. Okay, so I'm gonna stop saying weeks and I'm just gonna read you his data because the, the reading of the numbers is where this becomes interesting. So I'm gonna go back up to the top, 50, 50, 100. 75, 100, ooh, we're getting good, right? This is awesome, good job, Jack. All we need is a 75% accuracy on three out of four consecutive trials. So actually he met this goal, okay? But then we that was the end of the school year. So now we come back. All right. 25 25 50 50 50 25. What the heck is happening? 75 50 25 25 25 50 25 25 25 50 50 25 50 25 50 50 50, 50, 50 25 50. Oh, oh, here we go. 63 63 63 63 63. <laughs> I can do it. I don't want to do it. I can do it. I don't want to. I can do it, but I don't want to. I can do it. Hey, I can get a hundred percent on this, but this is dumb and I don't want to do it. And so what this looks like is Jack's personality in in a graph. Okay. So what becomes important here Especially when you're working on a skill that you know the child can do. You know the child can follow the routine. You know the child can do the math skills. You know the child can do it. When you have a goal, and it is completely appropriate to write goals for things that you know a child can do, but they are not doing. Because the question is, what's getting in their way of being able to do it? And certainly independence is something that I went to work on and there's a million other things that could fall into this category of like oh, I know they can do it but they just aren't and it might be something that they're doing well at home that they're not doing at school or vice versa you might have goals at home that you're like why can they do this at school and they can't do it at home that is all okay all right that is all okay but what becomes important with stuff like this is the commentary is the 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 I one time called this anecdotal data and one of you very wisely sent me an email and said it's not actually anecdotal data. If you look at, if you're like a researcher or you're a statistician, it's not anecdotal data. So I'm just gonna say the stuff, like the real life stuff that comes along with the data. Cause if we only look at the numbers, we're not going to get anywhere. This is multitasking at its finest, by the way. Cause if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, where'd she go? She said she was in her kitchen. I'm literally stirring a pot of soup. So you're getting a little insider information because I told you I was in my kitchen. And and this is sometimes how I do it when we're on audio only. You think we're on audio only because I don't look good? That's also sometimes true. But sometimes it's because I'm folding laundry. (laughs) And I do things in in a multitude of ways. I accomplish a lot. So if we only look at the numbers, we only get... I don't know, 40, 60, 80% of the story. And guess what? I care about Jack being able to initiate tasks and accomplish things independently more than 80%. I care about it 100%. So I wanna know the whole story. So really, really helpful data comes with this kind of column or these notes that are attached to the data. So Jack's teachers do a really good job giving us comments. So for example, on the 50%, one time we got one that says he was able to sit at lunch appropriately and pack up to go home. So we did two out of the four. That is great. Another 50% says he was able to do his unpacking morning job and his door job. We also sometimes get data that says almost a great day. Yeah, because we got 75%. We didn't get all four of the tasks. Did the door today door and pack up. So we're learning which ones he's doing well and which ones he's not doing well. We can go back and we can look at that and say, well, how many times was he able to do the door? How many times was he able to deliver the attendance? How many times was he able to do the cafeteria? And then we can think, okay, well, he's not very good at the cafeteria, for example. Jax is really inconsistent, because it has to do more with his regulation than it has to do with anything else. But if we're looking at data critically, then we could say, okay, listen, he's not doing well in the cafeteria, guess what, cafeterias are too loud. And so we could say, hmm, I wonder if he traditionally doesn't do well in loud environments. What strategies and supports could we give him in order to support him in loud environments? Or, do we want to create a life where he doesn't go to loud environments and is that something that we want to kind of bypass and make an accommodation that he doesn't go to those places because he, he, he can't? Are we ready to say he can't? And so we're looking at something other than the numbers. We're looking at the story. We're looking at time of day. We're looking at environment. We can look at the clothing he has on or who he is sitting next to or whether or not he came with the, on the bus or he came in a car or whether or not his mom or his dad dropped him off or whether or not his best friend is at school or if he has a sub, all of these things impact data this anecdotal stuff which i now know better than to say is anecdotal data but these details of his life and of your students lives really can impact the data and it is super important to look at it so i'm going to give you another example because then you're like okay well what do i do with that i am i am me I am also sitting in my kitchen. I am also folding laundry. I am also tasked with being on an IEP team, and I am tired, and I am busy, and I have a migraine where I can't see because that's what I keep getting, and so I'm just making you me. And so, so, Ashley Barlow, tell me what to do. Tell me what I do with this information. Sure, cool, everybody knows his data was bad. What do I do? Okay, so I'm gonna go to Jack's math goal. Because his goals, by the way, show not that I'm like so proud. I'm too proud to be like, oh, my sixth grader still working on counting because I'm not too proud to do that. I think there's a lot of lesson to be done in this. But what I want for you to know is that we had some regression in fifth grade that we think is associated with his social anxiety, which is kind of this post-COVID thing. Or we're blaming it on COVID because we can blame everything on COVID. And I think I can get it to COVID. And... So we, we went back to rote counting, and the reason we went back to rote counting is because I was not ready to give up on math. I think I know, I know he can do it. He has a relative strength in quantitative reasoning, and I know he can do math computation. Just the foundational skills are not the foundation is not strong enough. And so I said, let's go back to foundational skills. We've got a new team, we've got a new environment, we've got optimism, we've got a great team. Let's see if we can do it. And so we went back and guess where we started? Rote counting. Did he work on rote counting in his very first IEP in like 1990? That's how long it feels like he's been alive. Yes, we did, we did. We worked on that when he was three years old in 2013. We did. We worked on rote counting. Are we going back and working on it? Yes. Is that appropriately ambitious for him right now? It absolutely is. And that is okay. Okay. That's another lesson. I just stuck a little lesson in there. Regression's okay. It's the whole Jack and the whole Jack is impacted by this little, little anxiety bump, little anxiety mountain, whatever it is. We're getting through it. It's giving me anxiety. I'm like sucking it out of him and okay, move on. (laughs) So, he has the following goal. By the end of the IEP cycle, when asked to count out loud. Ooh, we've got an expressive language component to this math goal. Okay, just I just noted that. When asked to count out loud, Jack will independently be able to verbally rote count to 30 with 100% accuracy. Why, because I was like, I don't know, pick a number higher than 20, because we've done 20 for several years. Let's just see if he can count to 30. Can we please get him to 30? Also, duh, if you can count to 20, you can count it anything because, well, then you just have to learn the word 100. But like, what's the difference between 21 and 31, right? So 20, 30, 40, we know he can count by tens. So if he can count to 30, he can count to 100, and then we'll work on more than 100. Surely the concept will be solid once we can get him to there. Okay, well, guess what? My data says 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 10, 13. I'm like what's that mean does that mean he can count 13 does that mean that he can get 13 out of 30 numbers does that mean that he keeps getting stuck at 13 what does that mean to you because you and i might keep data differently on this well what do i do i go to the comments and gosh darn the comments say he can count independently one through 13 he is missing 14 and 15 the next day also missing 14. The next day he counted one to 13 and then he said 15 to 20. The next day, one to 13 and then 15 to 20. The next day, missed 14, missed 14, missed 14. He is missing 14. Now, what do we do? Well, I also get this like really nice note about what they worked on. So for example, worked on 14, 15, and 16 individually. And that is repeated several different times because we're missing the number 14. So what tools and strategies do we need to give him to remember that 14 is tucked between 13 and 15, right? And why are we getting stuck on 14? Now we know that the whole problem is 14. I used to say, and you've probably heard me say this on the podcast before, and I think it applies to many children, that it's the teens. So 11 and 12 sound sound like themselves, and then you get 14, 15, 16, which all could be erteen, erteen, erteen cuz they kind of sound alike. It's like one syllable teen, and it's easy to like when the when the whole kindergarten class and the whole first grade class is going one, two, three, erteen, 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 urban teen, 18 and 19 can go back right to 13, 13, and then you get to 20, right? And then 21, 22, 23. He could do that. But did he actually differentiate when those foundational skills were being taught between all of those teens 13, 14, 15, 18, and 19, with 17 being urban teen. I don't think he did. And so I used to say that this was an expressive language thing. And now I think that has morphed into an academic skill that he is missing. I think he has missed the letter 14. Just like some kids miss certain diphthongs or phonemes or whatever it is. They just miss it. Like they don't, the, the, the concept of the silent E does not matter to them. They were sleeping during those two weeks of first grade. Maybe they had mono but they missed it. So I think the number 14 is now a thing. Is that odd? Is that weird? Is that something that the teachers have never addressed? Probably. But because we are keeping data and because we are saying here's what the data looks like, then we can look at this. Can we say that Jack can count to 20? Yeah, sure. Can he get like close to 20? Sure. And in anything in life besides like maybe chemistry, does it matter if you can get to 20? Sure. And do I ever think that he's going to take 20 prescription pills? Like that's going to be a, a, a prescription that he's going to have? No. So am I concerned that like not being able to count exactly to 20 and, and getting one less is significant? Not at all. My dad's walking in, so it's about to be noisy. I'm recording a podcast, so... I, Hi and goodbye. Hi, I'm just gonna be quiet for a second. So what does that mean? That means that as we look at the data, we have to look at this interesting extra information. And the interesting extra information can give us good, good details about what to do next, what to teach next, okay? Next week, we are going to get a little bit geekier about data. We're gonna talk about why we look at data, what the congressional intent was, and looking at the data, why we put the stress on the data, and what to do with it in the classroom. So I will see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week.